Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode number 48 of Preston Jensen's Podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Preston. I'm back. <laughs> if you guys listened to last week's episode, uh, I talked about potentially taking a summer break, and that still might be coming. However, not yet, because this week there was a lot of fun things introduced in the technology world, and I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, more than likely... You kind of like technology, uh, and maybe you do it as a living. Uh, as far as video editing, drone photography, that kind of stuff, and uh, you're just listening in to uh, maybe get some tips, maybe learn something new, or maybe say, "Hey, you're doing this wrong. This would improve your workflow." Uh, I'm gonna have to send a message to Preston and say, "Hey, I can improve your quality of life." But this week. As a video editor, um, I'm very excited to say that Final Cut Pro is finally available for the iPad. Now, having said that, uh, I do want to say that I don't own an iPad, and I don't think I'm going to be running out to buy an iPad just to run Final Cut Pro on an iPad, because uh, after watching a lot of the videos that have come out, about the video editing software on the iPad. Uh, it does look awesome. There are a lot of new features that aren't in Final Cut Pro on the desktop. However, there's a lot of uh, things that aren't as good on the iPad as they are on the desktop version of Final Cut Pro, and that's to be expected. Uh, for those of you who do own an iPad, it looks like you're going to have to have an M1 model or newer in order to run Final Cut Pro. And for those of you who have an iPad and own Final Cut Pro, you still aren't able to just get Final Cut Pro and download it to your iPad. Uh, Final Cut Pro for the iPad is going to be a subscription-based service, and that's kind of disappointing for me. There's a couple reasons I'm not too excited about this editing software on the iPad. And number one is that it's a subscription-based um, product. However, it is a very cheap subscription base. Uh, you can get one month free, and then you pay $4.99 per month, or you can get it for $49 annually, which is a very good price uh, based off of, you know, you look at Netflix, you look at um, if you're buying your music for YouTube all of those subscriptions are probably more expensive than Final Cut Pro for your iPad. And if you want to be mobile, uh, what an option to have, uh, being able to take your videos and put them right onto your iPad, and away you go. And it seems like <clears throat> from the videos I've seen, everything is very, uh, I, I would say, kind of like your iPhone, you get an iPhone and everything is just kind of familiar. And uh, for those of you who've ran any other video editing softwares other than Final Cut Pro, uh, you can see where uh, you got to do some digging in menus and things aren't exactly the way you'd think they'd be. Well, this looks like everything's simple. Everything just seems to make sense. And it looks like a very powerful tool for what it is. Um, it's amazing to me that iPad hasn't been able to run Final Cut Pro up until this point. 
you look at other video editing softwares that are able to be run on iPad. I think DaVinci Resolve is even, I think you're able to run that on an iPad. However, um, I don't use those editing softwares, so I'm not exactly sure. But you'd think iPad, Apple would for sure have Final Cut Pro, even maybe even preloaded into the iPad. But that hasn't been the case up until this point. And uh, it, it actually added some features that the desktop version doesn't have. And it looks like it's going to be incorporating AI in the future to do some things like background removal without having to use green screens, which will be awesome. Uh, one of the coolest features I saw is you will be able to do actual text over your videos uh, using the Apple Pencil, and it will animate all that text right on top of your video. And for those of you who have used something like Canva to try and animate your videos and then have a green screen in the back, you know that, hey, this is going to save you a lot of time. And for this one feature alone, if you like the write-on animated text or little graphics on your videos, that feature alone could be worth it to not only get an iPad, but buy the subscription and start at video editing on your iPad. I'm very interested to see where this is going for the future because it looks like with the new update of Final Cut Pro for desktop computers that everything is going to be seamless. You're going to be able to send your projects from your iPad to your computer and it looks like a lot of the features that they're missing on the iPad from the desktop version will be able to be incorporated in the future. And since it's a subscription-based platform, I'm hoping they just continually do updates <clears throat> um, and improve this product to the point where <laughs> in the future, hopefully, you're probably thinking, oh man, why would I ever open up my computer when I can just get everything done on my iPad? That would be pretty slick. Uh, however, iPads are pretty expensive nowadays, especially if you're going to be using an iPad Pro. That's basically the cost of a computer or even more expensive. Like right now, I do all my editing on an M1 Mac Mini, which is probably the cheapest. It Actually, I think it probably is the cheapest Mac you can get. And so getting the setup with the iPad might be more expensive than that. However, it's mobile, so there's a benefit there. And uh, it just seems like everything is a lot more streamlined, which would be nice. However, the reason I'm not going to jump out and uh, go to the store and get an iPad and get Final Cut Pro is at least one of the videos I watched said at the time of release, you're not going to be able to do editing on an external hard drive. And for those of you who are from uh, familiar with the Apple ecosystem, you know that if you're going to be buying more memory in an iPad, the cost of everything goes a lot, goes up quite a bit. Even if you're building a computer from Apple or, or ordering a custom computer from Apple, you know that if you keep getting more memory, you can double and triple your price of the machine in no time. Uh, for me, I got the, uh, lowest amount of memory you can possibly get. And then I'm, I'm running everything on external hard drives, which is a lot cheaper. Doesn't look like you're going to be able to do that with the iPad and Final Cut Pro 4 iPad. 
which is kind of disappointing. I hope they update that in the future because if you look at the iCloud subscriptions, uh, I think the most you can get is two terabytes, which sounds like a lot of memory. But when you're running 4K video and doing video editing, that uh, two terabytes of memory for $9.99 a month uh, is going to be burned up very, very quickly. So even though everything is streamlined, I mean, it looks like you're going to have your photo library from your iPhone directly onto your iPad. Um, you can take videos directly from your iPad and it will be in your uh, video library. Or it looks like you can take uh, videos from another source like your professional cameras or your drones and pull them into your iPad. But uh, it just kind of makes me cringe because, I mean, you go out on one video shoot with drones shooting in 4K and you're going to eat up a lot of memory very quickly. So that's the biggest thing for me at this point that just makes me think, I don't like the subscriptions. Uh, that kind of bugs me. That's one of the main reasons I moved to Final Cut Pro is because you bought it once and you had it forever. I love that. Uh, now, if you're going to buy it for the iPad and you're paying $4.99 a month or $49 annually, you'll also have to get an upgraded subscription plan for the iCloud so you can have more memory on your not only your iCloud, but just so you can edit these videos. And uh, brilliant move by Apple, by the way. Seems like they're doing a lot of good things, a lot of things that people have been asking for for a long time. I know a lot of the channels I follow that, that like Final Cut Pro Seems like they've been saying, hey, we need it for the iPad. This is one of the most important things to be mobile, be able to edit videos uh, on the go on our iPads. Seems like it makes a lot of sense, and it seems like they've came out with a very good product. It's not just a light version. It's it's nothing like, uh, let's say, iMovie. It's a lot better than that, and it's got a lot of professional features, and uh, it's exciting. Uh, so... In the future, if they make a couple upgrades, uh, make it so you can edit off of external hard drives, that might be the only way to go. Uh, Apple has some other, I know, kind of things in the works that I've been hearing about that would just kind of surprise me. Um, on their uh, next keynote presentation, uh, I've heard a lot of people online saying that they might introduce a new VR headset, which would surprise me. But at the same time, they haven't come out with new hardware in a very long time. So it would be kind of interesting to see uh, what they come up with uh, as far as virtual reality goes. Uh, up until this point, I haven't really got into virtual reality um, just for the fact that I think all those headsets kind of make me motion sick. So I don't really have a reason to use those. Uh, maybe... Um, for virtual tours, it would be cool. Uh, take all the 360 work that I've done and put them into a VR headset, and maybe you could walk through a, a real estate place or walk through a building that you've done a 3D tour with. Maybe that would be cool. I don't know if it would make you motion sickness or give you motion sickness or not, but uh, I'm interested to see. I'm I like to say I'm impatiently waiting to see if they do release a VR headset because 
knowing Apple, it seems like if they come out with a product, it's going to be one of the best products in that marketplace. So if I haven't used a VR headset up until now, if they come out with one, I'm sure it will be improved to the point where it wouldn't make me motion sick. I'd be willing to give it a try anyway. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about tonight is uh, drone work. And in the past, um, it's easy when I'm doing jobs in Valley City because we don't have a big enough airport where I have to submit FAA uh, Lance requests. But this past week, I've been doing a lot of work over in a town with a larger airport where I have to get FAA authorization. But uh, people think it ends there as far as the paperwork goes, and that's not the case. Uh, first off, you've got to get FAA authorization. Uh, you've got to get that approved for the specific location you're going to be at. And then secondly, you've got to get your drone unlocked. For my case, I fly a DJI drone or a couple different DJI drones, but uh, they've got geofencing. And if you go to a place and you have FAA authorization, you're ready to go, you've got your Part 107 all taken care of, you're legal to fly in that area, and you get there, and oh, your drone isn't going to take off because DJI has its own geofencing around that airport, and it won't allow you to take off. It, it knows that, hey, we're in an area that's uh, not supposed to be flown in, and even though you do have authorization, we don't know that. So this is uh, the next thing I'm thinking. It would be awesome if there was an app that was just all in one. I could go in there and get my Lance uh, authorization from the FAA, and then I could link it to my DJI uh, geofence, and it would just know that I'm certified to fly in that area. The drone will take off. There'll be no worries. The way it sits right now uh, you've got to go to an app. Uh, I use Aloft, and I can go in there. I can get my um, FAA authorization. I guess Aloft, it's now changed to air control. But I'm able to type in an address, uh, select a zone, say how high I'm going to fly up, and it'll tell you, hey, this area you're only going to be authorized, be able to get immediate authorization up to a certain height. And so you can go in there, you can get your immediate authorization, or if it's a zone that uh, takes a little more time, it could take several days to, you know, you've got to say what you want to fly, how high you want to fly, when you're going to be there, and it'll either say yes, you've got authorization, or no, we need a little more information. But once you get that authorization, you have to go to DJI FlySafe and... Uh, you, you've more than likely got to print off your authorization from the FAA, load it back into the computer, upload that into DJI FlySafe, and then make a new uh, polygon on where you're going to be flying and give the reason why you're flying, all your pilot information, if you're certified to fly in that location. Uh, and then you got to submit that to DJI and wait a couple minutes. I think it says it can be anywhere from 15 to 24 hours to get authorization. Uh, once that's done, you have to upload that into your controller. 
if you're using the smart controller, you've got to connect it to Wi-Fi or connect it to your phone. Uh, if you're using a controller where you're hooking your phone up, you can just use the Wi-Fi on your phone and it will recognize that you've got authorization to fly in that zone. Then you have to sync that to your drone. And then you've got to make sure on your controller, you've got that geo zone unlocking on. And once you've done all that, then you're able to do your actual drone job. And up until this point, you've got to use at least two apps. Uh, one, you've got to do uh, on the internet on your phone, or it's easier if you just do it on a computer. And one, you can do on an app on your phone. But in this is wishful thinking here. I wish there was an all-in-one app where you can get the DJI uh, Geo Zones unlocked. You can go onto your phone. You can get the... Is, L-A-A-N-C uh, authorization. I, I did see a video online where a guy went and instead of uploading his FAA authorization to the DJI FlySafe, he just went to an airport manager, got a letter from the airport manager that said, hey, you're okay to fly here, and then uploaded that into DJI FlySafe, and he was approved to unlock the geo zone. However, he missed a critical step that even though he did that, his drone would take off in that area, he still wouldn't be authorized to be flying in that area because he didn't get his FAA authorization. So it's uh, uh, why do I bring up this story? Number one, I hope someone's listening that has the capability to make that app to make my life a whole lot easier. And number two, I want to point out the fact that the drone rules and regulations are so complicated and changing so quickly that even people who are trying to do their very best to follow all the rules still, even if they think they're doing everything right, sometimes they still are not authorized to be flying in that in that airspace. So uh, make sure you study up on all your rules and regulations when you're flying your drones. Uh, because it sounds like with the introduction of remote ID, they're really going to start cracking down on some of that stuff. So just the fact that um, that person didn't know that one step, they could still potentially get in a lot of trouble, which is, uh, for them, unfortunate. Uh, hopefully, in that case, um, if he truly didn't know that he was breaking the rules, hopefully they'd be lenient there, but who knows how they're going to handle these things. Uh, time will tell, I guess. So I'm uh, with that, I think I'm going to wrap it up for the week. I want to thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Preston Jensen's podcast. If you haven't, go on back and listen to all the other episodes. There's uh, an unbelievable amount of episodes out there at this point. I was just uh, going to go through and add up all the time I've been podcasting, and it I started adding it up, and I'm like, oh, I don't have time to sit here and add all this up. It would be nice if Anchor would uh, just tell me, hey, you've been podcasting for 10 days or whatever it is. But uh, uh, maybe that's a uh, feature they'll have in, in the future. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Hopefully you got some value out of this podcast. Uh, 
I want to thank you for listening this week, and uh, potentially I'll be talking with you guys next week. Maybe that's when my summer vacation from the podcast will start. Been very busy with my drone business, so it seems like I'm getting less and less time to podcast every week, which is a good thing. I love this time of year. Not only is the weather nice, uh, drone business is good, and there's a lot of fun things happening. So I want to wish you all a wonderful summer. Enjoy the nice weather and uh, potentially talk to you next week or in the near future. Thanks again.